Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, food bloggers. Do you ever get caught up in the confusion about how in the world you are going to make money? Take the free quiz I've put together for you that is going to help you get to the bottom of this problem. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash quiz to find out which stream of revenue is the next perfect one for you. Your results will be personalized based on your answers, and they will provide you with action steps and resources that will help you launch into monetizing your blogging business in a new way. There are truly so many ways to make money as a food blogger, so don't waste another second. Again, go to eblogtalk.com forward slash quiz and get started on your next revenue stream today. Hey guys, just reminding you to head over to iTunes if you haven't already to subscribe, rate, and review Eat Blog Talk. It adds value to this podcast when you do that, and I would be so grateful for your time. It will take two minutes, press pause, go do it, and come back and keep listening. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have Emily Eggers with me, and she is from LegallyHealthyBlonde.com. And we're going to talk about utilizing niche Facebook groups to grow your social traffic by 50x in one month. Emily is a plant-based recipe blogger who features a lot of Instant Pot recipes. She started her blog just over a year ago and recently quit her job to pursue food food blogging full-time. Emily creates plant-based recipes that are approachable, easy, and delicious. Emily, I'm excited to talk about this with you today, but we all want to hear your fun fact first. Thank you so much for the introduction. Um, And my fun fact is uh, not the most fun and interesting, but um, it is just that at the beginning of 2021, I was totally planning to go to law school this year. Um, hence the name of my blog. And then I actually will be enrolling in culinary school in New York City this year. Whoa, what a change. Oh my goodness. Okay, so what was the, what changed your mind? Yeah, so I had always planned on going to law school um, all through college. Uh, Like I made my major for that and even took the LSAT and actually even got accepted to law school and deferred uh, in 2020, uh, partly because of the pandemic and partly just wasn't 100% sure that was what I wanted to do. And then I took a year, uh, really worked on my blog and worked in a restaurant and just kind of fully decided I didn't want to go to law school anymore and that I wanted to do stuff with food. Um, And so, I mean, going to culinary school isn't something that's necessary to run a blog, but it's always kind of been a little dream of mine. And I found an opportunity. So do you think if the pandemic wouldn't have paused you that you would have pursued law school? Um, that's a good question. I, I am not sure. <laughs> um, cause I kind of used the pandemic as my excuse, but I think I was already unsure about wanting to go. Um, so I think I still would have had those doubts, but I'm not sure. I still may have just gone through with it just because, Um, But in hindsight, I'm pretty glad I haven't. (laughs) Yeah, that's such an awesome fun fact and something we can tie into your story and our conversation today. So thank you for sharing that. 
And you mentioned the name of your blog, which I was going to tell you I absolutely love. Um, when I was reading your application, I was like, oh my gosh, that is the best blog name ever. Legally Healthy Blonde. There are so many different plays there. So that's really fun. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of people, like when I decided not to go to law school, they're like, are you going to change your blog name now? And I'm like, well, no, it still kind of fits. I like it. Absolutely. It was part of you for a long time, right? It was an ambition of yours for a long time. So I don't know, yeah. kind of still lives in you somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so cool. Well, let's dive into your blogging journey and it's evolved very quickly. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about your story. Would you mind just kicking off our conversation by talking us through, like we kind of heard, you know, what turned you into starting um, food blogging, but can you just talk us through how your journey has evolved from then until now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, you know, like I said, I went uh, to college, I went to Clemson and um, was planning to go to law school, but I got really into cooking and food while I was in college, um, mostly just because I didn't have um, like meal plans. So I just kind of had to figure it out. And I started actually a food Instagram, just taking like kind of goofy pictures of my food, normally with my dog in the background or something. Um, and then kind of wanted to turn it into something more. I got like more into the photography and the actual like writing of recipes of it. Um, and then for a while I thought like I could just do this through Instagram. And then I realized, Oh no, like I need to really do the blogging route. Like that's way more lucrative and, you know, easy to grow more so than an Instagram is. Um, so I started technically my, I've, I've had a few different like blogs in the past, but they're usually like on Blogspot or Squarespace or something. And so I officially started this one um, on WordPress August of 2020. Um, really had no idea what I was doing for, I would say, at least the first six months of that. Like, no clue at all. Was just taking random pictures and posting random recipes. <laughs> and then uh, started like paying more attention, uh, learning a lot more about SEO and all those kinds of things really started getting into it probably around March of 2020. Um, and then I believe in March or April, I signed up for an SEO audit, which I just had um, earlier this month. And yeah, so now I've just been doing this. I was working at a restaurant, like I said, and then I finally quit at the end of July. Um, and now I'm doing this full time. Wow, what a very fast journey because I, I feel like yeah. a lot of my listeners are on the other end of the spectrum where they've been doing this for quite a while and, you know, trying to find success over a longer period of time. So good for you for just digging in. And even though you didn't know what you were doing and you're willing to admit that, by the way, which is awesome, <laughs> um, you figured it out and you just took like one step at a time and you went down the road, even though it was probably not easy uh, okay, so you kind of sat at around a certain amount of sessions before you decided that you just needed to get your numbers to budge. So talk us through that. Yeah, so it was probably, um, so like I said, in March, I was really uh, started really trying a lot more and learning, you know, even what sessions I needed and like things like that. Um, and it was probably around May or June that I really started figuring out the whole Facebook group thing, uh, which I had been posting in Facebook groups originally, but I just hadn't seen much from it. I would get a few likes and maybe a few clicks from it, but not much. Um, and then 
I believe in June or maybe the very end of May, I had one post that just kind of went viral in a Facebook group. It got like, I think it was like 1700 likes or something. I got just all this traffic from this one post and I was like obsessed. I was like, I have to figure out how to do this again. Um, and that was in like a niche group. It was in like a vegan vegetarian group. Um, and so I kind of talked around a little bit, looked at other people that had grown pretty quickly, um, using that kind of stuff. And I noticed a lot of them were using sort of appliance niche groups. Um, so like instant pot, uh, but also like air fryer or crock pot recipes as well. Um, so I actually went and bought an instant pot for that reason, uh, and it was only like $15 because I had a gift card or something. So I was like, you know, why not? Let me just try it. Um, I joined a bunch of those groups and kind of started looking around to see like what really the posts that were doing well were doing uh, versus the posts that weren't doing as well. Um, and then sort of found the groups that were worth it as well. And just started getting like viral post after viral post. And I mean, not every single one, but it was days where I was having like 8,000 sessions in one day. So what was the theme surrounding the posts that were doing well that you noticed? Yeah. So I noticed um, a lot of them started with like a question. Um, and it was always, it's a, like, that's probably the thing I focused the most on when I make a Facebook post in those groups is that initial question. Cause it gets people to comment. Um, and it's, you know, you can't do like too, I don't want to say boring, but like, you know, sometimes I've had ones that I'm like, what's your favorite pasta shape? And like, no one comments on that versus like, do you like cilantro or do you hate it? It's like, gets tons of comments because it's super controversial. <laughs> um, but that and then um, good photos, usually one or two photos. Um, and then just also it just being like a popular recipe in the sense that it's like, unique and kind of geared towards that audience. So like think of like what a typical instant pot or air fryer user or might like in terms of like what kind of recipe. Okay. So everyone likes the controversial questions, right? So does it have to relate to the dish though? Or were you just asking like a random, like is what cilantro in the dish that you were asking about cilantro? On? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I definitely uh, keep it related to the dish as much as possible. Um, but I've seen a few things that are like, not necessarily with my post, but with other people's, I've seen some uh, that have done pretty well. If it's like talking about like personal stuff, like um, if someone was like, oh, I've um, been, you know, helping out my neighbor and bringing them this dish or something like that. Sometimes those things seem to do well as also. Um, I haven't tried that though, so I'm not sure. Okay. So I am a part of a few of those really big Instant Pot Facebook groups. And one thing that I have noticed is, and tell me what you think of this. If I post like highly curated photos, they often don't get approved, or at least that's how it used to be. So we would have to, my VA was like, um, Megan, you should start taking crappier photos basically. So that we, because I feel like they were kind of on to bloggers a little bit, like here's what you're doing. So I... We kind of stopped because things were not getting approved. Do, have you found that at all? Um, I have not found that. I try to do like usually two pictures on mine. And I, if I have a good photo of the food in the Instant Pot or whatever appliance, um, that seems to do well. But I haven't noticed um, specifically like any good, like really good pictures getting taken down or anything. Um, but I 
do that might just have to do like with the type of group. Like I know, like you said, some groups don't like a lot of bloggers posting in them, um, whereas some are much more friendly to that. Okay, which groups have you found the most success with? Is it Instant Pot and Air Fryer, or just one or the other? What are your favorites? Um, so I don't have any like air fryer recipes, so I've only tried it out with Instant Pot ones. I've just seen similar things in other people's um, with like air fryer and crock pot stuff. Um, but I've had a lot of success with Instant Pot groups. And then I have a few vegan vegetarian groups that do well also. Okay. So it's just a matter of testing a little bit, right? And experimenting with which groups work, which people are responding to you. Um, do you have recommendations as far as how many to test with? Because there are so many routes you could go. So like, what if somebody else is a vegan Instant Pot blogger? Um, do you start with one or maybe do like one vegan, one Instant Pot? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when I started doing this, I had no strategy. I was just posting like everywhere I could. Um, and since then, I've kind of stopped posting in some and post more in others. Like if I can only get one out, like I might just only post in the one that has, you know, 3 million people in it or whatever. Um, but I have found that definitely group size uh, seems to make a difference. Like I'm a part of a few that are maybe under 50,000 members that just almost get nothing um, in terms of traffic. Uh, but the ones, if there's any over a million, those definitely do really well. Um, and then I have a few that I do pretty well in that are around a hundred thousand members. Um, so definitely I would say group size. And then like, there are some, you know, like kind of making sure you're staying in a niche group, uh, which, you know, seems obvious, but instead of just posting in delicious recipes or healthy recipes, whatever, you know, finding something that's a little more specific. Um, cause I think those people are going to be more engaged with the post as well. Um, that and then I also try to find ones that are uh, not necessarily flooded with bloggers. Like there are, I mean, almost every group has a lot of bloggers in it. But like, if every single post is just blogger recipes, it's probably not the greatest sign. Um, as opposed to like questions where or posts where people are act actually asking questions and engaging um, and like getting responses and things like that. Um, another thing I've noticed is. Um, like with pending posts, because they almost all like have to be approved by a moderator. Um, the ones that approve very fast, I don't necessarily, that's not like necessarily key to doing well, but I think you have more control over um, like good times to post. Uh, if you can, if it, they're going to approve it immediately versus, you know, six hours from when you post it. Oh, that's a good point too. I never thought of that. How engaged are you outside of the posts that you hope to get traffic from? So do you go in and regularly comment and engage on other posts as well? Yeah, I um, I would say like a moderate amount. Um, because I post so much in these groups, they actually like show up at the top of my Facebook feed now. Um, so I see a lot of them. And a lot of times I'll comment on if I see other bloggers post, you know, just like trying to help them out. Um, if there is someone asking a question and I know specifically the answer, or if someone's asking for recipe suggestions, I do engage a little bit on that. Um, but not like over the top. Like I don't have a dedicated time that I go in and like engage with other posts. Okay. So we talked a little bit about a few of the elements that, um, equal kind of a successful post or a viral post. And that was like, you know, posing a question that's maybe controversial, 
um, considering the type of image image you're putting up. What else? What other elements are have you found are important for creating a really good viral post? Yeah, um, I do every once in a while use emojis, which I'm not sure if that has a direct correlation, but I feel like almost and it almost this sounds weird, but almost using like kind of corny emojis. Um, like, you know, like a crying, laughing face or like the one where it's raising your hand. Um, just kind of those things that almost make it feel more like a regular person, I guess. Um, and yeah, another thing was just kind of being corny and relatable. Like, um, I think I had one that I was, it was a recipe that used, um, instant ramen noodles in it. And I mean, that got tons of controversial comments of half the people saying oh they're horrible for you and half the people saying oh they're delicious but it was like oh who else like lived on these in college kind of thing um and so that I think kind of like being relatable and not just being like here's my you know ramen noodle recipe yeah that's a great one because especially if people know you're a blogger it can be like oh she's just providing us with this information but if you present yourself as an actual human with emotions and stories and an opinion about ramen noodles then I think people would be much more likely to interact with you and engage with you that's really interesting about the emojis and um, including like kind of corny or cheesy emojis that maybe you wouldn't normally put in your standard communication. That's something yeah. to experiment with, right? Like find one that you're like, oh goodness, I would normally wouldn't use that, but let's see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it varies a lot by the type of like audience in the group as well. Um, like sometimes I'll tweak the post if I'm posting it, um, in an instant pot versus a vegan one. Cause like the instant pot one, I might just kind of like slip in at the end, like, Oh, this is also dairy free, but you can use whatever, you know? Um, whereas in the vegan one, I might say, this is a vegan version of something and kind of amplify that a little bit more. Um, Cause I have like, on you know, there are some people in the instant pot that are like, no, we don't want anything vegan, <laughs> you know, like that just don't like that kind of stuff. Um, so kind of really figuring out the audience and what the audience tends to like. Uh, seems to kind of help. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, thinking outside of the world of Instant Pot and vegan, um, do you have any other thoughts for big groups that are successful or have you not explored beyond those worlds? Yeah, um, I mean, I've tried a few just like generalized like healthy recipes um, and a few vegetarian ones. Um, But I mean, those are the two, those are like my niche really. So I haven't ventured much out from those, but I would imagine other niches, um, such as like keto, I would imagine there's probably pretty big groups um, on Facebook with that. Um, Same with air fryer and crock pot, and then probably like gluten-free ones would also be pretty big as well. Um, So if you like, I wouldn't say I changed my niche, but I did branch off into my niche almost just for this. Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I also like making instant pot recipes, but, um, I would just say not like, don't be afraid to like expand and kind of test out, like test out a keto recipe or a vegan one or something. If you want to try, uh, different groups and see what kind of engagement it gets. I can imagine for pretty much any like diet or food program that you're following all, any of those main ones, like you mentioned keto, um, or paleo or any of the whole 30, there's, mm-hmm. there has got to be big Facebook groups 
focusing on those because people are always looking for recipes. Oh, or like diabetic, right? Like diabetic recipes or, I mean, yeah, now I'm thinking like there could be so many different ways you could go and then you've got appliances and you could, I don't know, like it's worth looking and exploring and just seeing what's out there and testing a few out. Yeah. I mean, and there's even in those groups, I noticed people ask questions all the time, like, oh, I just got diagnosed with this. I can't have any sugar for a month. Like, can someone give me a good recipe without that? Or, you know, they'll have like very specific questions or if they're diabetic. um, And people will just ask all the time, like, how can I make this recipe in this appliance? And, you know, some people are like, I would just use the the stove. But like, there are lots of people that just, they have this appliance and they want to make everything in it. Um, So I do think that those like work pretty well. So once you saw that you were getting massive amounts of traffic pretty regularly, where did you go from there? Did you soon after get into an ad management company or what kind of evolved for you? Yeah, so um, I believe, so this is kind of like the, not necessarily downside of it, but it seems that the ad agencies don't love social traffic Um, and not social traffic in and of itself, but I was having like over 90% of my traffic from Facebook. Um, so I actually did not get into an ad agency from that. Like, but I still think that it can be a useful tool, especially if you're really close to getting into an ad agency. Um, or if you just want to grow a little bit faster, because while I didn't get into an ad agency from that directly, I, my email list grew from less than 100 to over 600, almost 700 uh, within that month. I also got tons of shit, like all my share counts went up on my posts, as well as comments um, and ratings, which ultimately helps with SEO. Um, And actually looking in my like Google search console, it does seem that some of the recipes that have performed the best on Facebook are also performing really well on Google because they have like that kind of boost of traffic in them. That's interesting. So it's not necessarily a sole strategy you should use, but it could be like a secondary or like supplemental strategy to other ways to get traffic. Yes, definitely. I would say it's like a supplemental or secondary. Um, I've actually kind of backed off of Facebook traffic a little bit um, just because I was, I wanted to decrease that percentage a little bit um, while I'm focusing more on Google SEO Um, but you know, if I'm having a little bit of a slower month or slower week, I know that I always have that in my back pocket to just kind of bump up my numbers real fast. And a community, the community aspect of being on Facebook is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I would say almost 80% of my email list are probably people that found me from Facebook groups. Um, so I mean, that alone is just a whole set of eyes that even if I don't post a recipe, in the Facebook groups, maybe it's a different kind or, you know, just haven't posted it yet. They'll still see the recipe. Oh, this is so awesome. Okay. Any other little tips you have as far as like which groups, what to do when you're inside them, anything specific with the post, anything that we've missed? Just to touch on the like controversial thing, I would definitely say don't go too far with that. Um, Cause I have even on like some, kind of mild posts like they haven't really been controversial um moderators can turn off comments whenever they want so if people start arguing in your comments even if it has nothing to do with what you said they might just totally turn off the comments and then that really stunts uh how well the post can do um 
So safe controversy. (laughs) So like like, cilantro probably is not going to turn political, but who knows about other topics. (laughs) Yeah. The cilantro one was actually probably one of my most commented on posts. And I think it was because I said, do you like cilantro or are you wrong? And (laughs) people lost their minds, (laughs) Um, but it was like all friendly. So it was fine. Um, But another thing about comments that I just kind of remembered and another good thing is you can you can't delete other people's comments on your posts, but you can hide them because um, you know every once in a while, especially if you're in a group with over a million people, every once in a while someone's going to say something rude. Um, it's just you know inevitable. And I've found just if it's not like constructive and you can respond to them nicely, um, if it's just like flat out rude or mean or something, just hide the comment. Um, and that I've. I think on social media, people, if they see one mean comment, it just kind of breeds more. Um, So I totally am on board with like deleting or hiding comments. But I think that's a really cool thing that you have control over on these as well. That's great advice. So I have two questions that just came up. Um, Do you reply to every comment or or like every comment? Or how do you go about that? Um, Not everyone. Uh, Definitely some of the first ones, like after I post, if it starts doing well pretty quickly I try and stay on and um, pay attention to like if people are asking a question I definitely respond to that or um, just like saying thank you to the first few few people that say like oh this looks great or something like that Um, but I'm I don't do it like the whole way Um, but I do still keep my eyes like on the notifications and just kind of look through them because like every once in a while someone will be like or, you know, one time my uh, site went down in the middle of this. And so I kept getting comments like, oh, my gosh, I can't I can't see the post. And so, like, I was still looking at that and able to say, like, it'll be back up in a minute or like now you can go check. It should be there. Um, but not every single one. I don't. And next question. What about video? Do you ever add video instead of or in addition to photos? Um, I have not really done a lot with video yet. It's definitely something I want to get into. Um, I would say that photos seem to dominate the Facebook groups, but I have seen some people do videos and they seem to do well because they are eye catching, especially if it's something that just like videos really like looks really good on video. Um, I have not experimented with that, but I've seen other people and they have seemed to do well with it. So that might be something to test out. Cool. This was super awesome. I always hear about those success stories like yours, Emily, where people just find massive amounts of traffic by focusing on Facebook because a lot of us, me included, raising my hand, discount Facebook because it's just gotten frustrating over the years and we don't utilize the groups. We just go into our business pages and we consistently post there and see very slow growth, (laughs) if any at all. So I love hearing about this. I'm so happy that you were able to just dig into it and find wild success. I love stories like yours. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. This has been so great. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I wouldn't have even known about it if it wasn't for other bloggers uh, sharing how they did it. So I'm more than happy to share my tips and tricks for it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Before you go, would you mind sharing either a favorite quote or words of inspiration? Yeah, absolutely. I would. Uh, I don't necessarily have a favorite quote on the top of my mind, but words of inspiration. I would just say, if you, if like this or you know anything is what you're really passionate about and what you really want to do, 
just go for it as much as you can. Um, you know, whether that means working on it as, uh, like with your nine to five, you know, staying up later, getting up early to do it. Or if, you know, if you have the means to quit and just put your whole heart into it until you get, you get to that point. Um, then I think that's always the best way to go is to just go all in. Oh, that's so great. Thank you for sharing that. We will put together a show notes page for you, Emily. So if anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash legally healthy blonde. So we've kind of mentioned where your website is, Emily, but is there anywhere else people can find you online? Yeah. So legallyhealthyblonde.com is my blog, um, but I'm also across all social media, just at legallyhealthyblonde. Um, no underscores or any numbers or anything like that. Great. Well, thank you again for being here. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.